Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Ginny Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. On today's podcast, we explore how to successfully come out of the pandemic with Sam Palazzolo, the founder and managing director at Tip of the Spear Ventures. Sam's passion right now is to support young entrepreneurs through venture capital, consulting, and community. What you will hear on today's episode is that the best way to successfully come out of the pandemic is to honor and cherish what worked as we went in. The best leaders are going to do a deep, deep dive in communication, emphasize mentorship with community, and focus on maintaining accountability with their teams from anywhere. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host, Mitch Simon, on the West Coast. And on the East Coast, we have our amazing co-host, Dr. Ginny Bianco Mathis. In the studio today, we have Sam Palazzolo. Sam is the founder, managing director at Tip of the Spear Ventures, a private equity firm. During Sam's time at Tip, he and his team built the organization into one of venture capital's favorite firms, a sustainable leader and an innovation early adopter, dramatically increasing customer satisfaction and growing financial results for the companies they help grow. Welcome to Team Anywhere, Sam. Hi. Thank you, Mitch. Hi, Jenny. All right. Great. So I want to start off with a different question. I was thinking about this question today. I would love, um, please tell us what you've discovered over the last year that you truly, truly care about. Mm. (laughs) One of the things that I truly care about, you know, it's, I'll give you, I'll give you two takes. I'll give you a professional take and I'll give you a personal take. Um, From a professional take, the thing that I really care about or the thing that in the last year as we come out of this pandemic, uh, I think it's been a wonderful opportunity to to outreach and connect with people anywhere, anytime. Um, So a lot of like, for example, I come from big consulting. And so some of the senior partners that I worked with years ago who are retired, great opportunity to reach back out to those folks, see how they're doing just to check in, to make certain they're doing okay as well. Uh, that kind of bleeds into the, the personal space, though, too. And that is, you know, I've got an 87-year-old mother who lives in Detroit. She lives in this great little retirement community. Um, you know, and I'm a guy who's traveled typically 40-plus weeks a year. And I would make a point to at least try to swing in on her at least 10 out of 12 months of the year. So if That's it was great. nothing more than just a just to grab dinner with your mom, right, and then fly out the next morning, but, but that type of thing, um, I I really miss that. But it was really great checking in on my mother just to maybe my parenting moment for my parent, if that's a nice way of putting it. Uh, and and I think it's really helped develop and maybe bring out the best of that relationship. If that's if that that's how I would term it, but. Those are a couple of the items that I think I'm most proud of over this last year. 
It's, yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, it, it's beautiful to see how you took a situation where we were all quote unquote dispersed and you used it to actually strengthen relationships with the people uh, that, that you pretty much couldn't see, yeah. you know, except on a, on a screen. I know we'll talk about it. You know, I led a tech startup from 2010 to 2012 and it was this, it was a virtual meeting yeah. platform, right? Yeah, so, it was not Zoom for our listeners out there. <laughs> Otherwise, it would be very hard to get a hold of Sam these days. Correct. Yeah. It, who knows? Maybe we shouldn't have sold it to a private equity firm and had a, that type of an exit. You know, had I known Zoom was going to be the thing, maybe we would have stuck yeah. around with it. But, <laughs> but so I, I had the familiarity and the comfort of doing these types of meetings virtually um, way back. And I've been an early adopter, you know, since the mid 00s. But it is one of those things where it's, it, this technology has allowed us to do whatever it is that we wanted to do whenever with whomever. And I've never had better access to not only my peers, people that I know in industry, but even people I don't know. Um, everybody seems to just be a phone call or a Zoom session away. It's true. And it is, it is, you know, the same with us, Sam, is, you know, because of, because of the pandemic, we now have access to you. You know, it's just, it's just been a, a pleasure all around. Next question is, um, so, you know, given last year, what type of leader, um, you know, have you become? Yeah, I, I want to say that at the beginning of the pandemic around March, we were scheduled to go in for a consulting project. You know, we have at the firm, we have two sides of the house. We have the venture side of the house. And as I mentioned, I come from big consulting. So we still to this day have a consulting side of the firm. Uh, we call it business transformation. Uh, it's got a heavy focus on sales business development. But at the beginning of the pandemic, we were getting ready to head into Seattle. And if you think about Seattle at the beginning of March, this was the hotbed. It was the coronavirus epicenter for the country. And and I want to say that we, at the last minute, I think we were getting ready to go in on a Monday. Um, on Friday, I was flying back from Newark. And I'm based on the West Coast. By the time I landed in the West Coast, I had a series of messages that said, we're going we're gonna to wave off going in face to face. Um, but it was one of those things where as a result of waving off and not being there face to face, we really leveraged this you know, a virtual platform. We, we threw our statements of work out the window and leaned in heavily with our client base, meaning that you know, whatever it is that they needed as a result of, I think they, they call it a black swan event, <laughs> the pandemic, uh, right. we wanted to be there for them. And so we conducted over 150 webinars with our clients just to, just to get state of the business and state of stability in place with them. I think I, I share that with you to say, the type of leader that that we see most often needed in times of crisis are ones who um, are are very clear on where it is that they're going to go, right? But they also have to be in one of those listen and observe moments. And and I had one of the leaders I work with. You know, we were talking about it, and he said, "Sam, I, I pride myself on having really great empathy." I want to put myself in my associate's shoes, my, my team member's shoes. And I said, that's really great. Empathy is awesome, but you're missing the compassion moment. 
And he said, the compassion yes. moment, what do you mean? And I said, if you get in their shoes and you find out that they're too tight, you need to tell them I'm in your shoes and they suck. We need to get you different types of shoes. So, but I think nice analogy. Yeah. That, yes. That's a great example. I think of the type of leader. And like I said, we leaned in extremely hard while other types of strategic partners that uh, are out there, I know had their engagements canceled or put on hold. Um, we kept ours and, and we didn't lose one. So, wow. That's okay. exemplary. I, I, we're going off script today, everybody. Completely off script. Business transformation consulting. God, does that sound exciting? But it is. You know, and I think I think everybody. You know, everyone. I think you know every everyone on this call, obviously on on this uh, podcast, is is totally into that. So, the pandemic started. Everyone said we're transforming our business. Don't go into the office. Done. Yeah. Chaos. It is now uh, as we as we talk about this, as businesses are quote unquote, you know, reformulating. Um, you know, what we know as a fact is that the pandemic is, thank God, easing. Um, unfortunately, not throughout the whole world. Um, unfor- unfortunately, we have, or fortunately for us, but unfortunately for the rest of the world, it's like a little of a bit of a bubble in the United States. What we're seeing is that the quote unquote, transformation of some businesses are, okay, everyone go get, go back to the office and just let's pretend that nothing, nothing ever changed. So my question is, when it's not so obvious that there's chaos, what would be your, um, your insights in how businesses today, you know, from a general standpoint, need to quote unquote, transform you know, or is it, no, everyone go put your butts back in the seats. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know that there's any clear cut answer to, you know, get your butt back in the seat. I mean, we have a, we have a strategic partner who is in the sanitation remediation business. And so obviously commercial office space is one of their primary clientele sectors that they work in. And, and that channel has been hit hard, and, you know, and I, but I think, you know, I think that as leaders, the challenge becomes, you know, is what it is that we did in the past the right thing to do in the future? And, you know, I hate the answer. It depends, but it depends on a lot of variables. It really does. You know, for if you look at our workforce and what it is that we've been able to do from a work from home or work remote, uh, that type of a standing We've had we've had certain sectors that have really accelerated and they've mm-hmm. done amazing. We've had other areas though where you know they, they just haven't done as well and they're challenged by working remotely, right? But I think it's one of those things where as the leader, you've got to set tone and pace and leaders lead, right? They're out in front and you gotta lead by example. And everybody's always watching. So I think it's one of those things, again, I hate the it depends answer, but it depends on your unique scenario and your team and what it is that you're working on specifically. Is there is there a fundamental um, set of traits that are required today for leadership as you know, as we come out of this this time that uh, might not have been as necessary a couple of years ago? Yeah, I, I think that leaders today are going to be challenged to, you know, 
to really be able to view the landscape of the business uh, from a higher altitude. At that higher altitude, they should look to attain that higher altitude to really get and expand their vision, not only internal of the organization, but external as well, uh, which should give them some greater clarity uh, on what it is that they should do day in and day out. So kind of a, a macro meets micro model, if you will, with those three different perspectives, altitude, vision, clarity. That's, that's how I would look at it, Mitch. Do you, do you have a, um, cause you're, you're, you've got your hands in so many companies. Do you have a micro example of a company, um, that you're working with that now, um, utilizes those traits that you've just shared with us? Yeah. Yeah, no, sure do. Um, so one of the companies, it's a tech company. They're, they're a software as a service as well as an infrastructure as a service firm. So they, they kind of run the gamut uh, on what it is that they'll provide to their clientele. And their clientele is traditionally the SMB market. The leader and I spent, it's, I don't know that it was uh, as a result of the pandemic because at the end of each year, we do an assessment of where did we come this past year and where do we want to go next year? And around the November timeframe, right around Thanksgiving, we started doing the, okay, well, where have we come? Right. Uh, we in 2020, we were challenged with the pandemic, uh, yet we grew the team, right? We grew the team members at the firm. The revenues went from stable to, some of the areas of the business grew, uh, which is always a good thing, right? Uh, certain headaches associated with it, but overarching, you know, good cash flow is a good problem to have. Uh, we looked at this next year as, okay, where are we going to go? And one of the things that we started getting some insight into was this whole, you know, I mentioned they, their bandwidth is consisting of software as a service, as an infrastructure as a service. But one of the services that they didn't have in their portfolio was cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. And, and so we threw that into the mix after going out and, you know, obviously doing a vendor selection, screening prospective candidates to align with. Um, and, you know, it takes a little refinery on the East Coast to have a cyber attack them to pay out, I don't know, a couple million dollars in some crypto uh, for everybody to start to get excited. Oh, by the way, if you lived on the East Coast and you're listening to this, you probably had a shortage of fuel access at your local gas stations. Right. Um, but it, it, it took one of those types of events for us to look at this and say, you know, thank goodness we conduct that exercise on an annual basis. Um, and we have quarterly summits also with all of his leadership just to ensure that that type of a, are we looking at things from the proper altitude? Do we have the right vision? In other words, are we, is it expansive in nature? And from a clarity, are, are we laser focused on what it is that we want to achieve? So that's, that's one example. Great. And do you, do you think that um, in uh, where we are right now, uh, that a quarterly review is frequent enough? Or do you think um, we need to have something in between? I think the, the, a formal quarterly review is is good enough. I think that there's informal reviews that are conducted, if not on a weekly basis, no less than monthly. Okay, great. Let me ask a question. Please, please. Uh, please. So 
what kind now now we've clarified the vision now we're doing things to the portfolio uh how and what kind of messages do i give to my team to my leaders the language that's used so they know oh yes now i'm clear <laughs> yeah i think that you know i think that we've all been in those meetings where there's been a PowerPoint presentation that has droned on and on, right? Exactly. I There almost needs to be a communication cascade of what the message is from senior leadership to mid-leadership down to lower level and entry level uh, team members. And, and I say that communication cascade because it's important at, at, a, at a higher level, the team really needs to hear the almost a reverse executive summary, right? Uh, yes. One of our the organizations that we have, we conduct those types of state of the union or state of the organization meetings on a monthly basis. the The president of the organization conducts the meeting with all team members, and it's nothing more than a twenty minute presentation. Him talking him taking questions and answering them for the remainder of the time that they spend together. That doesn't mean, though, that there's only that portion of the communication cascade. The background of it is intensive from the perspective of, and especially as we saw organizations like his that were pivoting throughout the pandemic, just trying to stabilize the business and then looking to accelerate and grow it, you know, one of the things that we quickly realized was that they need to, team members need to see the face of the business, the leaders of the business, but they really need those leaders that are closest to them to have all the details associated with what that leader was talking about. So there's that communication cascade where while the president, for example, in the example I gave, he's, he was only speaking for 20 minutes. The, mid-level and lower-level leaders within the organization, they were prepped for conversations, especially those that had their business portion changed. Uh, I want to say the manuals that were put together to cascade the communication flow, just yes. to make certain that there was alignment for all in the organization. Uh, there was significant time spent on that communication. It could be hours' work. Right? Yes, and something I've seen and uh, see how this fits with how your organizations are handling it. In that 20 minutes at the top level, the what the person has to report needs to change a bit. So I want to know, what have you done? What do you have to do to get us closer to this goal X? And what will you be doing in the next quarter to make that happen? Whereas what has happened in the past a lot of times is, here's how we're, we're doing, look at all this great stuff, and it's a snow job. Right? What are you doing in the next quarter that gets as closest to this goal? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's a major source of frustration for team members, right? When they feel right. like, well, that's not my reality. I mean, what you're sharing with me is 
is some smoke and mirror fiction right. that my right. nonfiction reality life working at the organization doesn't consist of what it is that you just shared. I think, you know, and I, I, so in the book I wrote in 2018 called Leading at the Tip of the Spear of the Leader, and it's the book that uh, UNLV picked up and has me teach as an adjunct faculty member within their executive education offering. We talk a little bit about the need for a transparent leader to be present. In other words, it's the good times, it's the bad times. We're going to share all of the times together exactly. because guess what? At this time in space, we are all together in the organization. And, you know, it's funny to say, and it's kind of ironic, you know, when you say that there, you know, typically I'll ask a leader, what is the most valuable asset you have within your business? And the typical response is my people. The atypical actions, though, that surround that typical, my most valuable people, uh, my most valuable asset is our people, uh, is one of those things where it's it's a little bit of a non-transparent moment. If your right. people are your most valuable asset, what are you doing to make them successful? And so in the point that you bring up is, you know, sometimes as leaders, especially the ones that, the good ones that I've worked with, they recognize that, you know, while significantly, um, I, want, I want to say accomplished, smart individuals, they get the most out of everybody who's around them. And by that, I mean, you know, it's one thing to have an executive committee, go to the retreat, come back with the, hey, this is what we're going to do. We, we yeah. went, we figured it out. Yeah. Uh, it's another thing to have those types of conversations on factory floors with team members who are actually doing this, what I spoke to earlier, the nonfiction reality world. There you go. I love that. The so nonfiction that way you reality. You get their insight uh, in, and right. make processes and procedures and really standards better. I, right. I think that, and, and that's what has to happen in that last column. Correct. Also, I found tweaking it with one more is, and how is what you have to do affect everyone else sitting at this table? Well, it's because you are not yeah. going out there alone. Yep. We would call that the upstream and the downstream. Excellent. Right? Yeah. The, so the, whatever it is that you do, just know this much, that you're probably going to be fed by something upstream coming to you within an organization. And more importantly, you're probably going to affect and feed downstream. So this upstream-downstream effect, whenever you go to, to make modifications or look to the future, you've got to bring those things into mind. <clears throat> It also is one of those things where the thing that we've implemented in our organizations and even our consulting clientele is this consensus leadership theme, meaning that we're all gathered around this table, regardless of what our org chart position is. We're all leaders in this room. And as leaders, when we bring up new ideas, if we have a better idea, bring it forward, right? Um, if you don't have a better idea, you've got to agree to it. And as long as you're at a consensus agreement level, we need to move forward with it. doesn't mean that we can't change it as we implement it and identify that, you know, we're not getting the results we wanted out of it, Jenny. But, but it could be one of those things where, you know, 
if we don't have a better idea, we've got to be able to agree to it at least at a 70%. Play it out, revisit it. Absolutely. Love it. You know what I, you know what I've gotten out of this uh, great conversation is that when you're, when you're doing the reviews with your teams, you know, what worked over the last year, we know is that a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, the, the great feedback, especially when we all left was that what I, what I loved about, um, working from home actually was that my boss actually started to ask me how I'm doing and my boss started to over communicate. <laughs> what I'm seeing now is I, I bet that a lot of leaders are going to say, well, now that my people are back, I don't really have to communicate because they're, they're back. Right. And I bet, uh, I bet Sam that, um, what you're seeing is that what we did learn out of the, out of the pandemic, cause I really wanted to, um, as when you and I talked about uh, this episode, Sam, we're talking about, you know, entitling this, like how to come out of the, of the pandemic. It's to really look at the, the, um, habits and behaviors that really, um, supported the company during the pandemic. And one of those habits and behaviors was over communicating. And I think that, you know, what I'm getting from this is to make sure that we keep that thing. So whatever was working, it wasn't working because it worked through a pandemic. No, it worked because it works. Mm-hmm. And and that's Good what point. that's what companies are, and leaders really need to to do. And I and I, what I'm hearing you say, Sam, is that you know moving up the chain and down the chain, we really need to focus on keeping the communication up and going. We you know we've talked about this. You know, if we had had a podcast before the pandemic, you know, communication is so important. It just seems like right now that is um, one of the things that leaders need to really um, dig in, dig into and keep going. Mm-hmm. I dare say it's not a chain anymore. Mm. It's a wheel. It's, a, it's a, all these folks. Cause if you're still thinking in terms of chain and you've got four people in the office, 10 people in Asia, six people in California, you're going to have problems. Yeah. Well said. I, 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 I agree with you. I, I think that there's probably a nice hub and spoke model for that wheel, leader mm-hmm. being at the center and maybe doling out communication yeah. throughout the spokes to the wheel. So I think very much so. Uh, I, I I like that model too, Jenny. Great. All right. Um, God, I'd love to talk about your thesis paper on on how to set up franchise comedy clubs around the United States, but that'll be so another I would, podcast. I would like about ten examples from yeah, the well, ten examples of that because that'll be. I mean, that's what it's all about. Um, what I do want to do is talk about. You have this incredible program called Entrepreneurs in Residence, and uh, you know, just you, you, basically, you told me that you're really helping young entrepreneurs um, set themselves up for success, and there are so many really incredible dimensions around that program. So can, so can you tell us more about your Entrepreneurs in Residence program and how you came up with um, the thinking behind it? Yeah. So so I started the firm after I mentioned earlier that I had a successful exit, uh, private equity exit from the tech startup that I led. And, you know, I, I had a financial background. So I said, you know, that I wanted to do a private equity firm. Um, you know, so it wasn't a total moonshot for me to, to to launch a private equity firm, but 
I, I had a vision that was very similar to, I think, a lot of folks' vision, which is, you know, we're going to bring some, we're going to bring a lot of, um, you know, maybe freshmen, entry-level analyst-type position personnel into the firm, and we're going to basically teach them the ropes as we know it and grow the firm from that perspective. And, and, and I'm happy to say that after nine years, we're heading into our decade anniversary here this coming February. Uh, I can honestly say that that was the wrong approach. <laughs> and, wow. uh, and here's why. I, I think that we saw something with the young analysts that we would bring into the firm uh, while extremely excited and interested in the business you know, the, the work can be really grueling and, and it can be uh, long hours. And what we found is that, you know, the young analysts that we would bring in, their performance and productivity would, would tend to taper off. Uh, oddly enough and ironically, compensation level, they wanted to remain at high levels, right? So uh, still, <laughs> still a good outflow of money, but no production and <laughs> or limited production, I should say, not no. But it is one of those things where, you know, the firm, I wanted one of the elements of the culture to be very similar to the big consulting firms that I worked with, which was, you know, you eat what you kill. And and I wanted mm-hmm. that that type of intensity, and I wanted that type of ownership to be present. And so we had a, we had one of our uh, corporate meetings, right on the quarterly basis, where where we're talking about, you know, gosh, this this just doesn't seem to be working. You know, bringing in young analysts and growing them, and you know, we we must not have the right fertilizer or lighting, or we're doing something <laughs> something's wrong. And and I I I think I, I mentioned to you, I'm I'm usually pretty great at keeping in touch with former mentors, and so I outreach to one of my former senior partners, and I was talking with him about it. And, and in about 30 seconds, he summed it up for me. He said, Sam, you're aiming too low. Get senior leader guys in there. Just get some senior folks to work with you on these projects. And so from that, we morphed out into this Entrepreneur in Residence program. The Entrepreneur in Residence program is meant to be bringing in senior, le- senior level leadership into the firm as a way of growing the firm through specific uh, our M&A practice, th- becoming an owner-operator. You know, we're, we're typically within firm, we're owner-investors, <clears throat> meaning that we'll, we'll find a business, we'll buy the business, hopefully the business that we're buying, um, and we have specific criteria for it, uh, but hopefully there is a second-in-command, maybe a general manager who can step up to the president level within the organization, they just might not have the financial resources to acquire the firm, right? And so exiting owner, and these are small businesses, typically less than 10 million annual revenue. But those types of leaders, you know, within the business, they may or they may not be present. And we recognize that, you know, if we could find maybe a mid-level leader, uh, maybe someone who was in their, you know, I think the average age for successful entrepreneurs in a startup is between the ages of 35 and 45. Mm -hmm. And the, I guess we look at 
we're entrepreneurs, but in an acquisition model, as opposed to an entrepreneurial startup model. Uh, and there's a ton of benefits from that perspective that I, I'll, I'll share with you if you want. But we very similarly looked at, well, who's successful in an entrepreneurial startup model? Because we know if we can get them as entrepreneurs in an acquisition model, they will be tenfold or exponentially successful. Right. And so, so that's where it is that we've been recruiting is for generally that comes in, maybe they've had their first leadership assignment. Uh, maybe they're a mid-level leader within an organization. Uh, maybe they recognize from a career path that, you know, this, this isn't going to go anywhere for me. There's, there's a whole lot of crowded, there's a whole lot of fish in this crowded ocean that I'm swimming in. And so I think that I can run my own, not only team and department or division, but I can run the company mm-hmm. successfully. And those are the types of folks that we target. It's great. It's a great model. It's a great model to, um, to have those mentors uh, by their side to make sure that um, they know what they're doing. Well, yeah. No, you're exactly right. You know, one of the things that we, we do, and we're a, good, we're a good believer in masterminding, right? We, we don't think that every leader has all the answers all the time. Uh, we also know that sometimes as the leader, it can be lonely at the top, right? You feel like there's nobody to turn to. And, right. you know, I'd like to say that we pride ourselves on having some organizations with that good transparent communication, wheel, chain, call it, call it whatever you yep, like. Yep, yep. But, you know, it's awfully hard sometimes in a managing up position to tell the boss that, you know, what they're doing is wrong, or maybe there's a better way that they could have done that. And so we try on a, on a quarterly basis, face-to-face to get together our leaders within the organization that run the businesses that we have within portfolio to have that type of a mastermind meeting day where they get to essentially roundtable what are their opportunities, what are their challenges. We call it the million-dollar idea. Bring your million-dollar idea to oh, the table. Oh, that's fabulous. Right? Well, I know some of those people, not, necess- <laughs> not necessarily as part of your group, and they all do speak to the chance um, to have those sessions where they're sharing their stories and then to also be moved. Uh, because you all are watching them. Right. Well, right. Well, it's and, one of those things where, you know, if you think about it, you know, I think it's one of those situations where you'll accept peer advice better than they might from, and we're a, we're a pro business forward. All of us at the PE firm, we have slugged it out in the leadership trenches. We have rolled up our sleeves. We don't ask anyone to do anything that we haven't done or we're willing to do ourselves. But it is one of those things where, you know, when they throw out at a roundtable discussion, look, here's my million dollar opportunity. This is the one that's staring me right down the gun barrel. And I've either got to act or, or not act. And I want act. How should I do it? You know, typically from their peers, they'll receive the input of, I did this when I had something similar, or I know someone who had something adjacent to what you're talking about. Here's what they did. But it's those types of sharing of ideas, perspective, that allows the leader that brings the million-dollar idea forward to formulate their own action plan 
and then to go off and to, you know, in between the meeting, because it's face-to-face quarterly, it's virtually monthly. And uh, it's not without some responsibility and accountability. Because the next month, they have to come back and say, look, here's the feedback that I gathered. This is what I said I was going to do. I went and I did this. These were the results. Here's what I'm thinking I could do to get even better results. And then it's almost another round robin of those who are gathered around the virtual table or real table, depending on what month it is within the quarter, that they'll be able to hopefully provide even more wind in the sail to get a goal accomplishment to occur. So fabulous. And I would guess, uh, well, I know from other uh, organizations, that model of quarterly in person, monthly on a Zoom call is a future model that should be used again and again in our new hybrid virtual world. Secondly, within the company, Let's get all our managers wherever they are and have a round table. That sharing that this is okay, that this is what we do, and this is how we're going to learn and grow, mm-hmm. just wipes away in a way that you so nicely put it, all the, it's not competition. It's the sharing of knowledge for the overall goal. That's my right. next article. I love it. Yeah. Well, Ginny, Ginny, while you're talking about this article, you know what what Sam is really sharing is uh, before the pandemic, if I was going to have a really important meeting, I would have to get everyone in a room Mm -hmm. because obviously it wouldn't work if you were on the phone, right? But today, I think that what what Sam is really alluding to is is the combination of um, if you want to really be successful, let's bring people into into the company and you don't have to fly them there. Yes. You know? Yeah. And so so now where, because many of the leadership books, you know, prior to the pandemic said, you know, go get an outside opinion. Right. I think Keith Ferrazzi was talking about that a lot. <laughs> well, now it's just, it's, you know, just get them on the phone, get them on a Zoom call. I mean, right. how much does that cost? And, and I really do think, you know, as I look, uh, as we're going to wrap this call up, Sam, is, you know, you're really talking about, you know, bringing in outside resources. Um, and you're talking about bringing outside resources to actually help with both mentoring and account and accountability. Mm-hmm. And that's why Perfect. I think, um, that's why I think what you're doing, Sam, is you're finding so much success. Whereas most, you know, companies are, well, I got to do this alone or, you know, maybe I'll get a coach, nothing wrong with coaching. Right. Cause that's mm-hmm. what we do. Um, and what's happening is you're going to have this, this, this new world basically says, if you need people, you can probably get the best people just as we open this call, Sam, uh, to kind of come in and support us. Right. And so why not? You know, and that that's the thing that I think on how to come out of this pandemic is to really think about, well, what worked in the pandemic? <laughs> and and really leverage those things because, you know, it took it took the chaos, it took it took a calamity to actually figure out what are the things that really work. And so don't necessarily leave those things behind. If you're gonna call, you know, if you're gonna basically say to your to your team, you need to be in the office five days a week. Well, guess what? That doesn't work necessarily, you know? So why are you doing that? Um, Those are questions that I have. Um, Okay. we got to end with this last question. Sam, you've written a lot of books. (laughs) 
what's the favorite book you wrote? And, um, and what would be one of the notes or two notes out of that book that would really kind of um, help our listeners understand how to be an incredible leader, especially right now? Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for the acknowledgement. I, one of my good friends just uh, wrote his first book. And, and I told him what my publisher shared with me after I wrote my first one back in 2008. I said, writing a book is a real labor of love. I mean, you've really got to love it because there is so much labor in it. If you did the dollar cost per hour average, you would identify that you know, minimum wage would make you a millionaire. Right. <laughs> so one of those things, and I, I've, I've written five, I, I want to say that, you know, my favorite book, I think, is the one I haven't written yet. Um, All right. I want to say it's the next one. And I've got a couple of themes kicking around my head right now. Uh, one is this concept of the unrealistic leader. Because I'm convinced that the leader who is unrealistic in their expectations, unrealistic in their boundary of we can do whatever, whenever, is going to be more successful. And I, I learned this from a couple of the leaders that we work with up in the Bay Area. They seem to, without abandon, believe that the rules don't apply to them. And as a result, when you're, when you're working maybe without safety net, but if you're working in an atmosphere where no rules apply to you, one, you don't know what you don't know. So the norms of constraint don't apply to you and you get to take your team with you wherever it is that they can generate the returns to get you there. And so I'm kicking this idea around. This is the, the concept of the unrealistic leader. That's quite, quite unrealistic, but um, <laughs> that is, uh, I love that. Um, and, and I really do think, I really do think that to be an entrepreneur or even to, you know, keep your company going today um, requires that sense of, um, of looking at the world a different way. Cause that's what we know all entrepreneurs do. They say, Hey, why not? Right. Why not? Yeah. Great. Well, great. Now, Sam, where can we find you? So you can find me primarily at two places. Uh, Tip of the Spear Ventures is the private equity firm. You can go there. Uh, we put together a special one-pager. It's a, a series of success questions that we take our leaders through, and it's on people. Uh, it's people-focused, the success question takeaway. You can find that on our website. I think we'll also put it in the show notes. Uh, right. It's under our About Us uh, portion or okay. Contact Us portion on our website there. You can also find me at, I founded a 501c3, a nonprofit that provides executive education. It's called the Javelin Institute. You'll, you'll notice that there is a, a, a central theme with me of throwing yes. objects, uh, normally yes. spears or javelins. So, But uh -huh. the javelininstitute.org is where you can find me as well. Uh, we have a, a, a 30 days to your best leader program that is out there. We've had during the pandemic over a thousand leaders take this 30 day challenge. Uh, you can see it right on the homepage of the javelininstitute.org. 
Wow, that's been great. Well, Sam, I um, really love um, uh, learning from you. I love your, I just love your charisma, your demeanor. Um, and I've really learned a lot from you. And so I really want to thank you for being so generous with your time and your philosophies and your advice. And I want to thank you. Um, I'm going to thank uh, my co-host, Dr. Ginny Bianco Mathis. And thank you to our listeners. If you've loved this episode, um, please share this episode and please also um, rate our, our, our podcast and this, this session so that other people will be able to find us and find Sam. And for now, thank you for listening to Team Anywhere and we will see you next time.